When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but you are old and you will stretch out your hands. When you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I give thanks for all these ways we've been celebrating during these 50 great days. We've had Confirmation Sunday and Senior Sunday and Baby Recognition Sunday. And it's, and it's funny, Michael said, he says this all the time, it's his annual joke for today. He always says, it sounds like it's like a game show. Can you recognize a baby? Baby Recognition Sunday, that's a baby. I recognize it. But uh, it, it is good. And next week, we'll be celebrating our mothers for Mother's Day. And we'll also be celebrating on the last week, Aldersgate Sunday, where we remember the, the birthday of the church on Pentecost and the, 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 the celebration of the tongues coming down. And so it has just been a season full of celebrations. And I know that you all have many of those in your own lives as well, as there are graduations going on. As uh, there are all sorts of, uh, August is going to be graduating from the, uh, the CDC this month, moving on to big girl school. I mean, it's just a season of changes and celebrations, and it is good for us to be able to come together and worship and be under the word. I'm grateful for this word this morning, and, and this is one of the ones that, you know, hits me especially hard. And so I invite you to pray with me as we consider all the things God is saying to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You know, there was once a, a wealthy landowner who had two sons. One day, the younger of the sons came to his father and told him that he, he wanted him to give him his inheritance early. He basically told his dad, I, I have no use for you other than the money that you're gonna give to me, and I don't wanna wait for you to die for me to get it, so why don't you just go ahead and give me what's mine? And what's kind of crazy is that the dad agrees. He's like, okay, fine. Like, my dad would never have done that. Um, I think he would have been mostly um, hurt if I'd have said, hey, I'm just ready for you to die so I can have your money. And so the, the dad does this, he divides it between the two sons, and the younger son says, thanks, I'm out. And he leaves and he takes his money and he goes to the big city and he spends all of his nights partying and making bad decisions. Night after night, he spent money until he spent every dollar he had doing things he ought not do. And it's not only were his decisions bad, but his timing was bad too because around the same time that he was making his poor life choices, the world was going through an extreme famine. And so now he's out of money and there's not enough food to go around, and then work is hard to come by. And so he finds himself working um, for a farmer, 
tending to the pigs. And one day he's feeding the pigs and, and he thinks, man, they're so lucky. I want to eat, I'm so hungry I could eat their food. And he's thinking about eating the pig's slop. And then he's laying down one night, desperately hungry, exhausted, down and out. And he thought to himself, you know, the servants on my father's land, they had plenty of food. They often had food left over. Maybe I can go back home and not ask my dad to take me back but just see if he'll give me a job. Maybe if I could just be a servant on my dad's land, then at least I won't go hungry. And so he does that. He, he's getting ready to go back home and he sets off on this journey. And when he's still a long way off from the house, his dad spots him walking up to the estate. And even though he was far away, he recognized him immediately and he started sprinting off towards him. And I don't think it was any accident that the dad happened to see him from a long way away, right? I imagine this dad, probably every morning when the sun came up, walked out onto his porch, looked as far as he could see down the road, hoping his son would come walking back. And I bet every night before it got dark, the sun would set behind the hills and he would wait to the last part of twilight, hoping his son would walk up. And one day he is, he's there, he's walking. And the dad just sprints off and takes off and embraces him and hugs him. And he is so excited that he's there. And when the dad gets to him, the son says, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am not worthy to be called your son. But his father wouldn't have it. He called for, for a robe to be brought and some sandals for his feet and some jewelry. And he said, get out the best food and the best wine and we're gonna have a party and we're gonna celebrate because my son was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he is found. Most of you probably know that story. It's called the prodigal, story of the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus tells in the book of Luke. And I tell it this morning because it's an example for us of the things Jesus preaches. And the story we read from the gospel a moment ago is a reminder that Jesus practices what he preaches. Jesus preaches and teaches us about this father, this prodigal son's father who, who runs after him and embraces him. And here at the very end of the gospel of John, Jesus is embodying all the things he's been saying his whole life. We're in the fourth week where we've been reading about these times where Jesus shows up to the disciples after he's been resurrected, before he's ascended to heaven. This is the end of each of the gospels. And he shows up uh, on Easter Sunday and he shows up on a walk to Emmaus. He shows up in a locked room. He shows up and they think that he is a ghost. You heard the story on Confirmation Sunday about Jesus with Thomas. And Thomas, who just wanted to see what everybody else saw, and today we have another instance of Jesus showing up to the disciples. And right before what we read, we see how Jesus shows up on the seashore. We preached about this a couple weeks ago where, where Jesus showed up while the disciples are out there fishing and they fish all night long in their boat and they don't catch anything. And then Jesus, at the very, they fish all night and the morning comes along and Jesus is walking up on the shore and they don't know it's him. And he says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And the disciples listen and they do that. And when they do that, all of a sudden they catch 154 large fish. 
And it's so, there's so many fish, but the nets don't break. And all of a sudden they realize, man, that's Jesus on the shore. And Peter is so excited that he jumps out of the boat. Actually, at first it says he puts clothes on, which begs the question, I don't know why he's fishing naked, but he is. And so he puts his clothes on and then he jumps out of the boat. Go back and read it. It's in the Bible. I'm just saying. He jumps out of the boat and he swims to Jesus. He's so excited and he leaves everybody else to do the hard work, <laughs> to pull in the nets and make sure the boat doesn't sink. And they all get back there and uh, Jesus has already prepared breakfast for them, fish and loaves. If you ever heard of that before, you know, Jesus has his thing for fish and loaves. And so he's sitting there and he's feeding them the fish and that's where we pick up. That's, that's what's happened in the story right before what we read. Now, before we re- revisit the, the gospel lesson we just read, I just want to remind you what happened on Easter, right? All right so Jesus is showing up right after they're fishing, but a couple, about a week earlier, Jesus was raised from the dead, and, and none of the male disciples were there to see Jesus' resurrection, right? You know who was of the women? They were all there at the tomb. They all go to the tomb, and they, they encounter the, the risen Lord, and the women tell, or Jesus tells the women, uh, go tell the disciples and Peter what you've seen, right? The disciples and Peter. He, he singles out Peter to make sure that they find him and tell him. And, and they also, he also wants to make sure that everybody knows that Peter's invited. That he singles out and names Peter specifically. All right, so jump ahead to the story we just read. Jesus is sitting there on the shore, eating breakfast with the disciples, and then he addresses Peter once again. He says to him, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's quick to answer. He's like, yes. That's the answer to the test. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. To which Jesus responds, feed my lambs. Which is kind of an odd response if you think about it, right? I've never told Brianna, I love you. And she responded, feed my lambs. I mean, she might have said, wash the dishes. But I'm not very good about doing that. And so that's why she's reminding me. Um, uh, No, but she always says, I love you too. Right? That's the common response. I love you. Oh, I love you too. Peter, do you love me? I love you. Feed my lambs. It's odd. Second time, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And again, he answers, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, take care of my sheep. If I were Peter, I'd be thinking, what's up with this guy and the livestock, right? Like he was just dead and, and he's never mentioned that he had sheep before. He didn't even have a homestead or the farm. I, this is crazy. Then the third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And this time it, it says that Peter is hurt. He's hurt because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And so he goes a little bit further and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And for the third time, Jesus says, feed my sheep. And I wonder if in that very moment, it hit Peter as hard as it did when the cock crowed on the night of Jesus' arrest. When the third time happened and Jesus said, feed my sheep, I wonder if the reality fell on him like a ton of bricks. Because remember, Jesus had told Peter that he would deny him three times before the rooster made its morning noise. 
And Peter said, no way, Lord, I would never deny you. But then the night in which Jesus is arrested, that's exactly what happened. He denied him three times. And right after the third time, the cock crowed and Peter realized what he had done and that everything Jesus has predicted came true. And I have to imagine that after Jesus's death, Peter had to be racked with guilt and shame. I bet for three days, he's just filled with self-loathing wishing he could take back his denials, wishing he could go back in time to change his actions and not deny that he cared about Jesus. And then Easter morning comes and he's given the second chance. Do you remember what happened when the women said uh, that he is risen, that the tomb is empty? One of the gospels says that Jesus, uh, that Peter, Peter sprinted to the tomb. Of course he sprinted. He's the one most desperate for it to be real, for what them to be saying to be true. He sprints off to try to encounter Christ. And then here they are on the seashore, seven days later. Jesus and Peter, once again together. And Jesus, just as, as Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus embraces Peter three times. Do you love me? Yes, I love you feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? You know all things. Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. This, my friends, is the best picture of God's grace that we can paint. Three times Peter failed, and three times Jesus embraces him. That's what justifying grace looks like. That's what it means to be forgiven. Jesus, he's like the father the wealthy landowner, running after that prodigal son. No matter what he has said, no matter what he has done, he ran after him. And Peter is there, desperate to to be forgiven. And Jesus is there, ready to offer it. This is a rich text, and and it's one that I love. It it shows us, again, how Jesus is showing up to interact with these disciples after the resurrection. But, But I think within this story, there is a word for two different kinds of people. And I think all of us can be either of these people at different times in our lives. The first is a word for those like John Newton. If you don't know the story of John Newton, he was an Englishman in the 18th century, a young man as a captain of a ship that transported slaves to the new world. Truly one of the most heinous acts a person can commit to benefit from the selling and the owning of other human beings. Later in his life, John Newton converted to Christianity and he ended up having deep guilt about his participation in the slave trade. He later became a priest and an abolitionist and then the mentor to William Wilberforce, who was the the lead abolitionist in England that helped abolish the slave trade in the UK. And along the way, when he was transformed from the chief sinner to the most saved, he, he wrote a hymn that became the most famous hymn of all time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. John Newton, like Peter, experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And you know what was different about John and about Peter? from everybody else in the world that needs to experience forgiveness? Nothing. Nothing at all. We are all sinners in need of God's grace. We have all fallen short 
and our need of forgiveness. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to save everyone. There's no one here in this room and no one on earth that Jesus did not come to save and who cannot be forgiven. The salvation Jesus offers is for the entire world and is wrapped up in the forgiveness that we also desperately need. There's nothing that you are doing, nothing that you have done, nothing that you will do that God cannot forgive. There's nothing that would keep the Father from running to you and telling you, you are loved. The good news of the resurrection is that Jesus was waiting there on the seashore for Peter, the disciples and Peter, to tell him you are forgiven. Which brings me to the other word that maybe we might need to hear this morning, or there might be a time in your life that you need to know. We are all sinners in need of forgiveness, and at various points we all need to hear that word, but there's also a time when we're like Will Hunting from the movie Good Will Hunting. If you haven't seen it, Will is a bright young man who, who never is living up to his potential. He's always working jobs below his aptitude. He's getting into fights. He's sabotaging relationships. Um, Will is, is in a bad way and he's always making things worse for himself. But he develops a relationship with his, his court-ordered uh, counselor, Sean, Robin Williams' character. Session after session, Sean tries to, to break through to Will so that he can see his potential and, and to make something of himself and of his life. And it just never seems to happen the entire movie. There's just this wall that is impenetrable until the very end of the movie. When Sean is able to cut through Will's hard exterior, they're having this conversation where um, Sean is making mention, noting recognizing the pain of Will's past where he had experienced physical abuse from his stepfather, his foster father, excuse me. And Sean confides to Will that he's had his own experiences with that type of abuse. And in a moment of compassion and comfort, Sean looks at Will and he says, I, I don't know much, but I know this, this is not your fault. And Will just smiles and kind of sloughs it off. He goes, I know, I know. And Sean says, look at me, son. It's not your fault. And Will again just laughs and kind of sloughs it off. And he says, I know. And Sean says, no, no, you don't. It's not your fault. And then you begin to see Will become uncomfortable. And he gets upset. And Sean continues to tell him over and over, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. And then you see him cracking through Will's hard exterior and he begins to, to admit to himself that he doesn't actually know that. He's never been able to hear somebody tell him that it's not his fault. He, you can see that there's probably some sort of part of him that's always thought he deserved this, that, that he wasn't good enough, that this was something that he had caused. And so Sean tells him nine times, it's not your fault before Will has this breakdown and finally he lets go and has this flood of emotions of, of having felt unworthiness his entire life and he embraces Sean and you see in this moment somebody telling another person that they matter, that they are worthy. He had felt his entire life a sense of unworthiness. Jesus had to tell Peter three times, feed my sheep. Almost like he's telling him three times, Peter, 
you are worthy. I haven't given up on you. I mean, imagine again the pain and the regret that Peter has been carrying week after week. He betrayed Jesus. He denied the person he pledged his life to serve. And so Jesus has to reinforce it and tell him over and over, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, which means like, I still trust you. I haven't given up on you. I still love you. You are worthy. Sometimes we need to know we are forgiven. And other times we need to know we are worthy and that God loves you no matter what. You are not abandoned. God has never given up on you. No matter what somebody else has said to you or about you, you are worthy. No matter what circumstances you've been through in life, what pain or what trauma or what heartbreak, nothing can separate you from the love of God who wants to run to you and say you are worthy. Jesus wants you to know more than anything else that you are loved, to offer you grace and mercy and forgiveness. Jesus tells the women to tell the disciples and Peter, to remind both Peter and everybody else that his denial does not make him required or incapable of experiencing forgiveness. His past does not forfeit his future, just like yours does not either. Peter is an example and a reminder to all of us that Jesus will not forget and will not forsake. It's a reminder to all of us that it was grace that taught our hearts to fear and grace our fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The hour we first believed. Through many dangers, tolls, and snares, we have already come. That grace that has brought us safe thus far is the grace that will lead us home. And that grace is for you. That forgiveness is for you. And Jesus is running after you to make sure you know you are worthy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.